Hello, I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. Now, two things stand like stone. Kindness in another's trouble, courage in your own. I would love to tell you that these are my words, but they are the words, in fact, of the Australian poet Adam Lindsay Gordon, introduced to me recently by my guest today, Shah Love. And they're inspiring words because today's story is about the courage and kindness we all need to find in making the world a better place. As the co-founder and chair of B-Lab UK, Shah has been at the heart of the development of the B Corps movement. And that's a growing family of businesses that aspires to be a force for good all over the world. But there is humility in this story also. Of herself, Shah says this, I don't think that I have any unique qualities. I believe everyone has the innate human gift for creating change. To tell us more, Shah, welcome to Changemakers. I loved that poem. You shared it with me um, at a meeting. Two things stand like stone, kindness in another's trouble, courage in your own. Tell us a little bit more about it. Oh, I'm so glad I had the chance in that meeting that we were in to, to bring it. Because I, I do feel like in this world we're living in right now, there's so much happening. And actually, it was Nigel Topping, who's the high-level champion um, for the COP26 process, that uh, he shared this idea that we need to be guided by the science and inspired by poetry. And it just made me realize how lucky I've been to have poetry in my life growing up and to get to the point where I feel like I don't want it just to be in my home life. I want to bring it in. Mm. To- but, but, but this poem is, is it's, it's a big family favorite, isn't it? It is. It's a massive family favorite. So actually, I grew up with this poem or this excerpt from a poem because actually it's it's um it's only a few lines of a much, much bigger poem. But uh, but yeah, it's it's been almost like a mantra in our family. Um, my great grandparents actually were the ones who first found that poem, my great grandfather, and he had it carved in wood and it was always on the mantelpiece um, uh, of his fireplace. And so it was something every time his kids and his grandkids um, came for dinner or or were engaging with their, their family, like that would be sort of a central piece. And those were central words that were used. And then it got sort of passed down through the generations. Um, so, so yeah, we have these photographs. Of these and it set the tone because he was a Victorian poet, um, uh, Gordon. He, he and, and actually the preceding lines to that, life is mostly froth and bubble. I mean, I, I mean, do you buy into the whole vision of that? I mean, is that because this obviously has been quite a guiding poem for your family? Yeah. And it's funny because we actually really usually focus on those last three lines. Um, and, and it's only recently that I kind of looked back to see what the full poem was and noticed that line that life is full of froth and bubble. And of course, the bubble is what rhymes with the trouble. Um, and I think in the world that we're living in right now, there is a lot of froth and bubble going on. And I think it actually really accentuates the importance of the two stones, the two things that stand like stone, which is mm. kindness and courage. And I will say, like, it's become actually, you know, something that we're also trying to build into a bit of our, our practice. Um, and one of the things we used to do with our kids at night, um, you know, and we, we sort of now do it more less often than we should, but but we used to use that as part of our evening practice. And what I would sort of ask them to think about was where there were moments where they had either seen or been kind, um, or where were there moments where they'd ever seen or had to be courageous? And actually using that as a way just to constantly reflect in our reflect in our lives where kindness and courage actually is what's creating the space for us to be who we are. Because I, I've known you now for, for a few years. And when, and when you talked about that poem, I thought, oh, my goodness, that is you as a poem, kindness and courage. So much of 
everything I've heard you talk about in the past is about the courage of business to be the change, be the force for good, live up to its potential. But also, it's not just a kind of gauntlet. There is a kindness and understanding that's part of it. What I'm sort of thinking about is this kind of like family that you grew up in that had this on the mantelpiece that has inspired you. Here you are inspiring companies in this country and, and indeed all over the world. But before we get to that, I want to understand the background. What kind of, I mean, you, you said in your own words, I don't think I have any unique qualities. I, I would, would beg to differ. I mean, I think that you are extremely positive and optimistic, um, despite even when the evidence sort of points to the contrary. I mean, give us a sense of what powers you, what inspires you, what fires Shah. What? It really goes back to the poem, actually, um, because I do think that everyone on this planet has the capability and the capacity to be both kind and courageous. And so that's what I mean. Like, there's nothing special about me. We all, <laughs> we all are born, I think, with this ability um, to sort of be, to be brave in the space of challenge and to be kind and compassionate to one another, recognizing that we are all kind of interdependent and connected. Um, that's always been like, again, it, it really kind of comes back to that idea. And to be honest, I feel like that's what gives me a lot of hope in the world as well, is that this idea that there's actually so much more that we have in common with one another. And we all live on this incredible, like miraculous planet in the middle of this you know, huge infinite space. And we all exist within this atmosphere. Like we have, we all breathe the same air and we are all connected. So it what gives me hope is that, again, we, we all have this capacity for kindness and courage and we all have this shared home and we just we need to figure out how we we live and we protect it well let's let's stick with that shared home for one minute because you 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 said that you grew up in a family of change makers i mean i mean th this is not just you this is this is the tribe is it i mean give us a sense of that in terms of what that was like with people that wanted to change things make a difference yeah no i i really have had an amazingly privileged upbringing um yeah my my mom's a lawyer and so we in some ways were grown up with the concepts of justice as being kind of a key component of, of how we um, lived. And I should also mention the eldest of five. So it's like big family. Eldest five, eldest five grew up in Canada. Grew up in Canada. <laughs> Mom a lawyer. So justice and, you know, thinking, making sure we were all kind of really quite tuned into fairness and justice. And as being a part of a big family, anyone who's listening knows that that's actually a big theme when you're part of a big family. Um, and also my, my dad has been an environmental warrior for many, many years. He was on the team that sort of coined the phrase reduce, reuse, recycle <laughs> back in the day and was doing a lot of work in Canada and the environmental movement um, in, in the very, very early days of those movements. I have these memories of, you know, the conversations we would have um, about the environment, um, you know, when I was when I was really young. And again, that was part of we, we were sort of like a microcosm in our little family as part of a bigger family where actually mm. his brothers all worked for the most part in um, conservation, in, in, in environmental justice. Um, and uh, and actually many of my brothers and sisters are actually working in this space as well. So when we come together as a family, like, again, I think that this this these lines of these poems, this poem really just kind of comes alive for all of us because we've all found ways to really live into it um, in, in the work we do. So presumably by the sounds of it, you grew up with a strong sense of actually you were going to be an active citizen, that you were going to, that actually being a part of the world wasn't just a kind of invitation. It was it was an obligation, was it, in terms of actually making the difference? I mean, I'm just trying to think about at what point did your 
consciousness start to grow in terms of actually my path might lead me in the direction that you ultimately chose? Mm, that's an interesting question. Actually, it's an, I, I found my path actually through the arts. So my background is actually in art history um, and, and actually a little bit of classics mixed up because I was really interested in the things that had happened in the past. Uh, and there's something about the novelty of like working on an archaeological site where you actually get to touch things that, you know, no one has touched for, you know, hundreds and some thousands of years. There's like there's that part of me which is really interested in where we've come from and where we are today. But I'd also say that my, my, my background and what I learned in art history and learning how to have the confidence to react to works of art um, and, and have the confidence of like how I feel or what I think about them is, is, is right. Because mm. Actually, it's the, the experience that I'm having. I think that's been a really important part of building the courage part of the kindness and courage equation. Um, because yeah, I think uh, art has an incredibly, it's an incredibly powerful tool help people really unlock um, how they feel about things and have the courage. And so highly creative, highly interested in art, highly interested in history, um, yet the proud wearer of a t-shirt that reads accountants can save the world. Make sense of that one for us. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, 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 was, I, I wish I, I wish I'd studied accounting. Um, I'm, I'm still sort of toying with the idea of maybe I should go back and do an accounting degree. Uh, yes, and I do have the team. Why, why, <laughs> tell us why. <laughs> well, I do think actually that accountants have um, an, a really amazing sort of skill set, right? That they've developed over the years. Like they know how to um, look at valuing positive and negative externalities. Um, they also have a set of rules that guide them. Um, and those rules are the rules that essentially are how our markets in many ways behave. Um, so I do think that they're a really underappreciated um, stakeholder <laughs> in the wider market system. And I also love the idea of celebrating the innovation that's happening in the accounting industry in a way that really like captures people's imagination. So I do think accountants will save the world. I actually think they're also the rock stars of the new economy. And actually one of the fun projects a few of us are working on right now is actually trying to create a Glastonbury of accounting. A Glastonbury of accounting. I mean, this this is going to be the ultimate. I mean, it's sort of I'm thinking archaeology, accountancy. I mean, I mean, surely that Glastonbury is going to be your your newest role. You're you're an ambassador at the Good Business Festival in in Liverpool. Your your fellow guest this week is Holly Tucker of Not on the High Street. I think I think her idea of the rock stars was was entrepreneurs. I mean, I think she felt that it was going to be small small firms, but I mean, it could be. It could be quite a party there, Shah. Well, there's a lot of room on the pyramid stage, let's be honest, okay? So I feel like we will have headlining act by some accountants. We'll have some headlining acts by some entrepreneurs. Um, I, I think there's going to be lots of room for some, some rock stars of the new economy. But here's a little known fact, Michael, for you. Um, Mick Jagger apparently trained or studied accounting. So, you know, there actually are. Do you know what? I think you might be right. I, in my the recesses of my mind, that rings true. So there you go. Rolling Stones. It's it's all coming. Now, quickly on the Good Business Festival. I mean, obviously, this is this is kind of I guess the pitch is to be the South by Southwest for this part of the world in terms of this coming together, um, this very sort of creative platform. Uh, Wayne Hemingway very much much leading the charge with that. As as an ambassador, you're going to be speaking. Just, just, just very quickly, tell us a little bit about what you're hoping to to do as part of that. 
Well, I'm, I'm actually really excited. I think it's going to be a really interesting set of conversations. Um, well, and I'm hoping to talk about hope and, you know, where we can see signs that um, that there's there's hope for what we can all strive for in terms of reimagining and resetting what our you know systems look like. Uh, so I'm a real big fan of this concept of heliotropy, the idea that we will grow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love heliotropy. Just saying, let's talk about the sunshine. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So heliotropy is this great word I learned um, a few years ago, actually, by a friend that we have in common, Michael, uh, Sasha Romanovich, when she was the uh, CEO of Grant Thornton, speaking of accountants saving the world, right? I was going to say, that's another accountant saving the world. Let's get, let's keep on it. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, Sasha, I remember in a session, we were learning about appreciative inquiry and this word heliotropy came up. And, uh, and I just, I loved the idea that heliotropy actually literally translated from Greek is, you know, helio, which is the sun, and trepi, which I imagine is the verb, to turn towards. And it's based on this premise that in, in, in sort of botany, like, we see a tendency for plants to grow in the direction of the sun. And you can all imagine this, you know, field of sunflowers, that as the sun passes across the sky, the, the flowers of those sunflowers actually follow it. Um, and and the realization really that really hit me was that actually we as humans are not that different from our cousins in the flora community. We will grow taller and stronger and faster, I believe, when we are motivated by things that are full of light and warmth, and joy and creativity and positivity. So again, I really have become a, a sun a sun vitamin D sun worshiper because of this idea that I think in so so I love that. But then somebody might turn around and go, "Well, well, tell me about Twitter." I mean, I mean, that's got to be almost the polar opposite, hasn't it? In terms of the, you know, the sort of the, I guess, the division, the lack of understanding, the lack of turning together or togetherness. I mean, that there are in, in just in every way that we hope we might have more in common together. There's so much that still, I guess, is very clearly things that divide us. I mean, is is the change happening? I mean, are these just the sort of like the I mean, the growing pains of, of things on the move or, or 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 are people right to still be quite cynical that actually things don't look that great at the moment? Well, let, let me be clear. Um, you know, heliotropy is about being motivated by things that are warm and positive and it's the trajectory to be on. But sunflowers are also rooted to the ground, right? They're not like kites going off into the sky and drifting off into nowhere land. And I do think we have to be aware. We can't be like ostriches and putting our heads in the sand and just being like, everything's positive. Because let's be honest, there are some real challenges that we're being faced that are we're all facing mm. in this world. So actually, I'll go back to the metaphor of the sunflower, right? Because it will grow in the direction of the sun and its roots are firmly rooted into the ground. So there's like this concept of geotropism, which is where you know gravity pulls you down. And so I think this is a reflection of the both and, right? And which is another theme that I feel really strongly about. We as humans, we've got this capacity to walk and chew gum at the same time. Like we are sophisticated and complex beings. So I believe that we can be motivated and, and, and fueled by hope and a vision for a positive future whilst also at the same time being rooted to the urgencies and the real situations that we're facing. So it's not one or the other, it's it's both and. I get it, and I love the analogy of walking and chewing gum. I'm going to try it later. But actually, let's talk about that rooted to the ground because, I mean, I guess where a lot of people have come um, come into play with your work has been um, is, as your role as the founder um, of, of B Lab and the growth of the B Corps as a group of businesses that want to to do good in the world. And it's interesting that for somebody um, with your background, an art historian, an archaeologist, somebody somebody who might well have seen 
the beauty, the change in many other things. You've actually zoned in on business as the change maker. Um, t tell us why. Well, I actually want to be clear. I, I think people using business as a force for good. I, I want to make sure we're clear because like there's business, but actually what is business? Business as a collection of people. <laughs> so yeah. back to like the people that are working within organizations and what those organizations are designed to do to take advantage of. But, but it's but it's not the people with with paintbrushes or the people that are making the making things in in terms of I guess from a creative arts perspective. But it's the people that are building companies. I mean, I once heard it said about the almost the the um, the the, uh, the word was was brought out of of Latin of. Of of common pan companionship and bread breaking bread together. This idea that actually companies used to be these wonderful bringing togethers of, of people. I mean, and you you are very much in in that world. I mean, I'm I'm just interested in what drew you to it in, as a sort of an area to sort of focus so much of your skills, talent, and attention. Mm, I think we probably are talking to some similar people as well. I've I learned that companion. Uh, from some friends at Toast, which is actually one of our certified B corporations here in the UK. I think mean, that's where I, I first heard that reflection. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I want to go back because actually I think it's really important to, to reference this idea of like walking and chewing gum at the same time. And, and I think business is a place where um, there's a real opportunity for creativity and innovation, recognizing that in order to harness the kindness and the courage that are within people, a venue where you can express that, I think, is through business. Um, and and again, I feel like instead of it just being about a business is about making money, it's actually no. It's again two things at once. Like we can create opportunities and spaces to innovate, to um, find solutions to some of the problems that we know we're facing in the world right now, using business as a vehicle, um, and 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 using business as a vehicle as a way to also make sure we're generating um, sort of the economic benefits that are needed. So I, I do think that there is something really important about all of this that I is is about, again, this idea of walking and chewing gum at the same time. And I should say that that is, uh, I've, I've, that is a Jay Cohen Gilbert phrase that I first learned. And he is actually the co-founder of B-Lab. But, but I guess the thing is, you were the, I think you were the second company in the UK to become a B Corp. Um, and, and so a lot of your background is as an entrepreneur and, and actually a lot of entrepreneurs are highly motivated by the change that they can bring. And they see business as a really unique tool and a really unique way of actually making a contribution to the world. I mean, do you think enough people actually understand that? Because a lot of people just look at entrepreneurs and think, oh, well, they're, they're just trying to do it to, to get rich or, you know, or do something quickly. I mean, is there, is there in your experience, um, something more soulful, something different, perhaps the sort of things I was talking about before in terms of, I guess, the impetus that's bringing a lot of these companies together under that kind of B Corp banner. I think there's a lot of businesses out there that are are interested in solving problems. I should say people that are in business that are interested in solving problems. And actually that businesses can become an incredibly important channel to, to create to create impact. So I, you know, again, I, I feel like we operate mostly with those businesses that are already on that journey and have already made that have recognized that actually, um, you know, in order to, you know, get the best out of their employees, and as well to, you know, enable them and encourage them to, to do their best work, um, you know, that that appealing to that calling of, of, you know, creating positive impact in the world is, is a great way to, um, yeah, to, to, to run their business. And that positive impact requires, I guess, a positive outlook that you can 
make the change, be the change. If you were thinking about listeners that are thinking, love it, want to do it, I, I, you know, but I'm, I'm living in a world of COVID-19. I'm living in a world of climate change. I'm living in a world of so many challenges that are just, you know, just so big and, and so impenetrable in terms of what do I do next in terms of being that more mindful business leader, that more bi- mindful person, entrepreneur, whatever it is, employee, whatever, whatever, whatever your sort of starting point is in this journey. What what are the things you would want people to do listening to an interview like this in terms of the next steps to take on the journey? Well, if you're working in business and you're interested in being a part of a collective and of a community of other businesses <laughs> that are similarly um, powered by this idea of what the role of business can be in society that is about creating positive outcomes, right? It's about creating a return both for shareholders and stakeholders more broadly, um, then you should consider um, looking into the B Corp movement. And because what I would say is that this is, yes, about individual companies and the people that work in those companies, um, but it's also equally about being a part of something bigger than just yourself. Like it's, it's community of businesses but, but but take a step back from that so that's so that's an action you could take you could you could go down look look to be accredited part of it but i i guess i'm talking about the within you know when you look at a world of so many challenges right now and you you must be i, I know you are challenged in 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 terms of like looking at the world and what's going on in terms of how you draw on the well of positivity in you in in your person in terms of what makes you optimistic as opposed to pessimistic about the world and i i read here you know one of your quotes i have huge hope i think there's a lot to be excited and positive about a lot, a lot of people would would look at, at at 2020 and go this is the worst year it's not a year to feel positive and excited about very much at all what's the counter to that what what's the what what in your view should give people hope that the reset the change can happen. Yeah. I mean, first off, I just want to say, like, I really appreciate that there is a lot of suffering in the world right now. And again, I would just reflect back on this idea of, of both ends. So it's not about being optimistic and positive in saying that that's the way the world is. Like, it's not. Like, the world is full of challenge. But I do think we have this capability of holding um, the situation that we're living in right now and imagining and wanting to work towards something better. So I just want to make sure that 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 nuance is actually fairly clear because what I don't want to Mm. sound like is that this is an ostrich and like everything is awesome when clearly there's a lot of people in pain. There's a lot of people that have deep anxiety and are fearful around what's happening in this world. And there is nothing that I would want less than to do is that then to, 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 make it seem that that's not a real place where people are right now. And I really appreciate it. And, and, um, and I know that, and I feel that um, I, I think when it comes to having hope again, it's about almost the trajectory. Um, yeah. Growing in the direction of the sun and where I feel we have a moment right now that we're in to, to really change things is about how we think about the things that we are really valuing in deeper ways and and almost like going toward those things. I think in lockdown, many of us have experienced different relationships with family and with our community. Um, we've really realized we all breathe the same air and that we really are truly interdependent. And I think that that's an important insight for us to use as we think about what we want to create and build on the other side of what, let's be honest, is going to be a recovery um, period. 
Um, I, I, would, I would say that again, just the thing that that will that fuels me in thinking about where we go next and and the future is just tuning into what young people are talking about. And I've got the pleasure I get to hang out at Oxford with some extraordinary MBA students. Because you've got to roll that. You've got to you're you're um, you're the entrepreneur in residence at the Skull Center. But I wonder, you know, in terms of thinking about this interview, is that we are finishing where we started, kindness in another's trouble, courage in your own, as the advice from this little-known Victorian poet. I mean, he, I mean Adam Lindsay Gordon. I mean, he's there's there's a statue of him in in Melbourne. Um, I was also reading that the Queen used uh, this this quote in in the early nineties to sort of um, ground her view of the world. So it's it's come up sort of at these periodic moments of difficulty in people's lives. But this kind of, I, I guess, the idea that the world needing to be kind in the face of trouble um, and finding courage in how you personally deal with it. I mean, that feels like good advice for a family, but good advice for a world. I tend to agree, <laughs> which is why every single one of my siblings, we all can't have the original wood carving from my, my great grandfather, but actually for Christmas a few years ago, that was the gift um, that I got from my siblings. We got one of our local B Corps to actually do little wood carvings that are sort of little plaques. And, uh, and I, we, we, I gave one to each of my siblings so that we lived that every day in all of our lives. And so when, when we do the lockdown list to, to go with this um, episode, we must put that wonderful image up, that wood carving up. Sharp, thank you so much uh, for joining me um, on Changemakers today. And that's it for this week. And thank you to my guest, the awesome Sharp Love. And I started with a poet, and I'm going to end with another because it was William Blake who said that energy is eternal delight. And today's message of courage and kindness, contribution and citizenship is what gives the world energy. And even in these toughest of days, still has the power to bring delight. And for more pros from the purposeful, do join me next time on The Changemakers. Changemakers.